From Potomac Fund Management, this is the Conquer Risk Podcast. Join us as we discuss the business of running an RIA firm and the practice of investment management. And now, our hosts. Welcome to the Conquer Risk Podcast. My name is Manish Kata. I have Jeff Goodner with me here today. And today we want to talk about something that has come up recently uh, in in our uh, work, and that is the difference between a TAMP and a model marketplace. So we have model portfolios that we offer to financial advisors, and recently we've begun to add these on different platforms. And during the due diligence process with uh, Potomac staff, as we're going through uh, the different questionnaires, this has come up where you know someone is a TAMP or it's what's considered this new variation, a model marketplace. So I think it's important for advisors to understand the difference, uh, especially if you're if you're looking at any of these services. Uh, Jeff, what's what's your initial take when when you heard the, the the phrase model marketplace versus what you're traditionally used to as a TAMP? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. My my first thought was it was one and the same. I even didn't realize that there was actually a difference. And then I started seeing more information and I thought, wait a second, maybe I'm missing the boat here. Um, and I think it's kind of, I will say it's kind of ironic. You and I talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago and said, hey, maybe this is an, uh, something that we could we could discuss because it is becoming more frequent that I have that conversation. Three times this week, I've had this discussion with advisors. I mean, there, there's been a question that they've had or, a, and you know, what can you do? It's like, okay, let's, that's definitely where we're hitting the right topic. I think, uh, sounds simple, but let's dig in. So, uh, let's, let's discuss, we're going to define what TAMP is. We're going to define what model marketplace is and, and help you advisors distinguish between the two, why they're different, where some pros and cons and so forth. So, um, Manish, Let's start with you. Uh, you want to hit uh, TAMP, what your, your initial description of a TAMP is. Uh, we'll go from there. So, yeah, let's define it uh, first yep. and foremost. Turnkey Asset Management Program. I've also seen Platform, whatever mm-hmm. you want to uh, use. Uh, at its core, you are outsourcing almost everything to another RIA, another provider. Uh, they are essentially going to give you uh, back office functionality, new account opening, billing, trading, reporting, and access to various managers underneath that. The big players out there, as you know, the Asset Marks, InvestNets, and uh, OPS, and, and other ones. Uh, and that's your traditional TAMP. Now, there's new variations of it. Well, they'll let you do certain things and, and separate uh, the services, maybe you just do billing and reporting, but we'll keep that out of the discussion right now. Right now, let's let's focus on the, the the dominant ones, which is you are sending a client to another RIA. In most cases, you're getting paid as a solicitor or a co-advisor if you're an advisor, and that TAMP offers all the services that you would need to run your business, including multi-manager. Yeah, it's really it's an they all try and be an extension of your back office, and they offer all kinds of different services. Each one, of course, has its own unique flair. Um, but but you're right. Essentially, I think when we boil this down to who's responsible for the actual trading, that helps define this scenario. So for TAMPS, the the acronym, like you mentioned, Turnkey Asset Management Platform, the definition here is the TAMPS are doing the trading for you. That's that's the traditional version. So you and have discretion. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you, the advisor, m might be choosing with the client which strategist and specific model or models that you want to use for a client, but that's where your responsibility ends. The discretion then becomes that of the of the TAMP itself to get the trade information and so forth from for that individual model and actually implement it in the client's account. So your hands are off at that stage and you're now, you know, just making sure that the manager combination still makes sense for your client over time. And there are there are all self self-directed sleeves I've seen with different TAMPs, but that that's probably a whole other podcast. So let's yeah. let's talk about the the benefits. You know, you and I have been in this space for a while. What jumps out as a major benefit uh, for uh, using a TAMP? Well, I, first and foremost, I think just the the, the simplicity and and hopefully time saving, right? Because you've eliminated individual security research and and trying to figure out what to put into a portfolio on a day-to-day -day basis. So that is the, I think, probably the primary benefit, that consolidation and time saving uh, from uh, eliminating that from one of the hats that you as an advisor, an independent advisor wear. And the next one, I, I think this is my favorite one because, uh, you know, being able to save time by eliminating billing, reporting, and trading. Yeah. Now, the reason I love that is, is you talk to advisors who think, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, I can staff up and, and handle the billing and reporting and all that stuff. And, and I get it. You know, it's control. But at the same time, it's it's a pain in the ass. And, and you not only have to hire staff, but you also have to have good staff in place who can work with the software. There is not one software system out there that's a Staples red button. Uh, you're not just going to download transactions, bill, trade, and be done with it. There's a lot that goes into it that, and a lot of things that go wrong. And so one of the major benefits is the ability to get that off your plate entirely and focus on, on the things that, that you want to focus on, whether that's you know getting new clients or, or spending more time with, with your existing clients or family or whatever it may be. Uh, so definitely uh, the, the consolidation is, is a huge thing. Some of the other things that come to mind is um, – you had mentioned things like the the portability and aggregation, just mm -hmm. uh, you know, simplifying the user experience. You want to touch on that? Sure, it, it goes both ways, both for the client as well as the advisor. Because, uh, and this is the way I used to teach advisors to grow was to go direct to managers. Well, now if you if you turn that, and technology has definitely spun that space, even for me, I'll admit it. Having one place where the consolidation happens, which I mentioned earlier allows for the client to be able to log in and see all their stuff in one place right hopefully <laughs> if it works the way it, it should probably be designed uh, yeah. and the advisor the advisor gets to maybe maybe they need to switch a manager because the client situation has changed switch a model whatever the case may be and and they can do that without necessarily picking up and doing a, a new account opening somewhere else and an ACAT and moving assets and all that stuff. Instead, it should be much simpler to, to, to just make a switch and the account stays where it is, all the services that might have been set up stay the way they were. And so that's that's something I think is really, really valuable. It still falls under time saving consolidation, but it's a different piece of that puzzle. People pay for time and convenience. Period. Yeah. And and this is what a TAMP offers. So what yeah. what's the downside? Um, what's the what's the first thing that jumps to mind to you as, as a con? <laughs> well, it's something we say a lot, which is, you know, the bonus is you now have 500 managers available uh, or strategists available. The con is you have that many available, right? It's supposed to save you time, right? That was the whole, a lot of what we just spoke about. But 
if you don't have or the ser there's not a service there to help you figure out what strategists and models fit together, you can end up spinning your wheels as much as when you were trying to figure out whether to pick a Vanguard fund or a, an American funds fund. Well, okay, to that to that point also, uh, you're not, you're li let, let's say you have 500. You're limited to the lineup that the TAMP provides. Correct. And the reason I want to bring this up is because you don't know the motivation of why a TAMP adds a certain strategist versus another. And what I mean by that is... Uh, you know, what if that strategist is simply being added because they pay the most revenue sharing? What if, you know, it's just the big names? So if you as an advisor have a local strategist that you really like that has a great track record and you want to use, it's typically an uphill battle to get that, to get your TAMP to add that. Um, we talked about this uh, in a recent podcast about how to find a manager. Uh, it's not as easy as just introducing it to the TAMP and getting it added. There's a lot of restrictions. So you're limited to someone else's opinion of what a strategist lineup should look like. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And uh, the other thing, a little bit along that note, is that a TAMP is typically more expensive than a model marketplace. And, you know, the, the fees are so broad here, we really can't sort of define what that would look like. Uh, but I will just say, in general, in my experience, a model marketplace is, is less expensive uh, as far as the cost of the client than, or, or what uh, the well, advisor is paying. I think that let's, let's dovetail that into sure. the model marketplace because that's actually one of the – it's a benefit and a con. But first yeah. and foremost, <laughs> uh, to define a model marketplace is – what you mentioned earlier about taking uh, discretion, right? So in a model marketplace situation, it's it's no different to me than than a newsletter or or any type of research you get. Uh, you are getting trade signals from uh, a list of strategists, and then you, as the advisor, are responsible to implement that. Now that's a pro and a con, right? It's sold as a pro because you retain discretion; it's all under your control. But then you also have to execute those signals. Now, if it's an asset allocation program from American funds or something that's traded once a quarter, sure, no big deal. But if it's another system that requires more uh, precision, uh, the onus falls on you to then execute those trades uh, and, and you have discretion to make that decision. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's uh, In fact, Kitsis did a great table, and we may be able to show that uh, on the, uh, put a link or something uh, in the show notes. Uh, a great table of TAMP versus model marketplace versus just completely self-directed and, and what responsibilities, who, who gets what in that mix. Um, so rather than recreate the wheel, we'll just uh, put that in the show notes. But, uh, but you're absolutely right. This is where the advisor ends up with the ultimate discretion. And typically, they are also already doing their billing and trading reporting. And so that capability, in the end, it just becomes another research tool. Right, that's the way I look at it. So that's why I really call it sort of the hybrid. The model marketplace is the hybrid of advisor portfolio driven and TAMP because you're getting research I don't specific know. I trades don't, I just, between those. We're gonna agree to disagree. I don't <laughs> it's not it's it to me it's it's it should be separated from the entire conversation of a TAMP because you're not to me it's more comparable to subscribing to a newsletter that gives you trade signals at the end of the month um personally i mean you're, you're not getting 
anything. I mean, it has nothing to do with the TAMP. You you can you can get uh, <laughs> these these newsletters from multiple managers across multiple right. systems, right? It's right. It's it's night and day. And and this brings me to to your second point here is that you know the, the services offered are, are nothing, right? There's nothing offered <laughs> beyond beyond just the outlook and the trade signals from the strategists. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And and no, I it, I would agree from the standpoint of the re- only reason I mentioned a TAMP is because some of the same firms that might offer their models in a TAMP may offer them inside of Orange or Riskalyze or, or whatever the other model marketplace might be that you're using. Uh, so you can get the trade signal, but you're absolutely right. There is no service provided typically by the uh, by the actual strategist who's who's giving you uh, those details. Okay, well, let's talk about price because you had mentioned earlier um, that it's cheaper and mm-hmm. I had edited your Word doc and I said, hold on, th- this can be a, a pro and a con because yes, on the surface, it's cheaper. Let's say your TAMP charges 30 to 50 basis points to provide all the back office surface and you and you come to me and say, I can get the same models for zero on a model marketplace. Uh, but like we said earlier, you have to have all the tools and staff needed to run those models, the back office software, DocuSign, whatever it is that you need to open, fund, trade accounts and report on them uh, have to be in place. So while it may be cheaper on the surface, you know, if you start adding all those costs together uh, and, and dividing it by your AUM, you, you may find out that it's it's actually not. Well, and this is where cost and responsibility come together because uh, you know in this process the cost of the TAMP is typically borne by the client right and you get all those services we talked about and so forth are are just included as part of that package in many cases where when you're using a model marketplace as you mentioned the cost of the people the billing service the the back office capabilities all those things are costs to the advisor and including the model marketplace is typically the cost to the advisor. They're the ones that are paying this in, in many cases uh, to get this particular service or newsletter or, or trade instruction from whatever service it is. So that's the yeah, difference. And, I mean, it, it is. And, and, you know, whether that's passed on or not is, uh, you know, is up to each. Right. Is up to each advisor. Um, okay. So what, what uh, the major cons that stick out uh to you um but, but did we touch let, to wrap up the pros on the surface it's cheaper um you do retain discretion you know and these all these all, these all can be pros and cons um you do retain retain discretion um and you um you know you, you're managing the money so you know if something happens uh with a, a particular strategy you know it's uh it's on you you don't need to explain you know get an explanation from a separate manager um, but what, what are the major cons that stick out to you? Yeah, I think uh, first and foremost, the trade volume, right? Depending upon the strategy that you think looks like it should be a whiz bang, great gig. Uh, if there's a ton of trades, man, you better be on your spot as far as getting those, especially, uh, you know, typically if there's a lot of trades, you're dealing with a more tactical manager and those trades may need to be done on the same day that they come out, right? Otherwise, uh, you can end up missing and missing a trade from a tactical manager can always be a, a very different experience um, well, also but, i, I want to touch i want to add on that because yeah. the the amount of trade volume uh has ramifications because as a money manager we know uh you have to document 
the uh, you know when you made the trade uh, the next morning document you know that everything went through uh, rationale backup and when you're trading these models you, you can't just execute things by the seat of your pants you have to have a process in place and and you know that the the SEC has been coming down on advisor portfolios mm -hmm. that have no rhyme and reason if you're trading a hundred accounts all differently and you call it custom discretionary whatever you want you better document the hell out of it because you know it, it, it that's what they're looking for and this is why model portfolios make sense for a lot of people so to, to your point on trade volume it's also the operational processes that you may or may not have in place yeah, and so as I as I uh, grab onto that, right, still talking about trading, I think it's Im imperative that you understand before you subscribe to a model in a model marketplace, understand what custodian you're using versus the specifically if you a mutual fund model, what share classes are available on the model, on the uh, custodian that you're using, right? Because if the if the strategist is picking or providing trades for uh, you know a certain share class. And your custodian, those have ticket charges. That may not be the experience you were expecting. So you just start popping in trades, no big deal, and then surprise, now you've got an issue. Or do you have to every time manually go in and look and say, okay, well that share class is not an NTF. With this one is, so I have to keep making those swaps. You're back to spending a lot of time and effort. Yeah, I mean, discretion, discretion, discretion. It's on yeah. you. you yeah, know? it's on you. You, you, you are, you are the person in charge. And that's why I say it's, it's, it's. it's a newsletter. Yeah. You know, you're, you're making those decisions. Right. So, yeah. all right, well, let's, let's wrap this up. What conclusions um, uh, do we have? Let me, let me go first here. Sure. <laughs> uh, I've <laughs> learned, I've learned recently with, with our product launches uh, and talking to people to keep my mouth shut when it comes to opinions on custodians or TAMPs or model marketplaces. Because listen, all we can do is educate and provide our two cents, but ultimately as an advisor and a business owner, you have to go do whatever makes you happy. Um, because <laughs> like with custodians, for example, everyone has an opinion. You know, everyone hates one and loves the other. They're all the same. They all have their pros and cons and you just have to do uh, do you and so that's that's my conclusion of this is do whatever makes you happy uh, know know the ins and outs and the research and uh, and and do you yeah so on that note I will uh, I will say I'm going to stick to my guns and make this assumption that the advisors who might be interested in a model marketplace already have we're going to assume they have a reasonable back office setup their staff ha has the billing trading and reporting undercover they got it all figured out and the model marketplace might be a simple way to supplement a particular area they aren't as comfortable with research. Maybe emerging markets isn't great, so there's some strategist that offers their model on that or you know, a tactical model, and you're good at, at kind of the core diversification. So that may be an avenue to use that hybrid, as I call it, uh, to, to supplement that. But in the end, most advisors, in my opinion, are best served to be able to grow faster, more efficiently, and serve more people by using a full-service TAMP. There and, you go. All right, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say this in a in a less <laughs> nice way because you're typically the one that that jumps in and, and says I'm things sweet. the way it should be said. Listen, model marketplaces do not work, in my opinion. Period. Because if you are an advisor who has the setup to trade, bill, and and has the staff in place, you likely have your own thoughts on the market. Um, and you may get an asset allocation from a larger player, 
but you are not gonna subscribe to a model and then use their signals to start trading in and out. And the proof is in the pudding because if you talk to a lot of these large model marketplaces as we do, the, the models that dominate are Vanguard, BlackRock, etc. Because these, these people just allocate towards the larger folks, they're not gonna tr take trade signals from a, a, a boutique manager and then execute them. That's my hill that I'm dying on. Uh, I don't <laughs> think they work. Um, but to, back to my earlier nicer point, do whatever makes you happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, to each his own. Uh, we're here to educate, and, and, and I think this is a fun topic. I, I got to say, this is actually, I think, a fun topic to discuss and, and help define and, and, and work through. So, Cool, what do you, but they what don't do you work. Got? Anyway, from uh, recommendations, um, all right, this is a cool one. So I, I was on uh, Twitter, and someone was talking about the social dilemma on Netflix. So you got to watch it. And so I put it on, and it's just about how social media and our apps are like taking over our lives, and then also how they handle the algorithm to really fuck with your head. And I took all my apps off my phone, and I was I said, look, I'm just going to do it on the desktop, um, and and try to 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 reduce it because yes, I have become that person who's on my phone incredibly too much. Uh, first thing I do when I wake up last thing i do before i go to bed and it's it's starting i think to negatively affect me and so it's hard i mean it's hard i went for a walk with the kids the other day and i'm constantly grabbing my phone to but i took everything off like i took email off i took everything off and there's nothing there which makes the phone quite useless to tell you the truth because <laughs> i don't call anyone anymore and so but anyway social dilemma netflix I think it was eye-opening. I told you and Kim to. Did you get a chance to watch it or? So, so she was she was busy uh, that night that you told me she was busy. So I thought, okay, before I, she's not really big on documentaries. So before I jump in and say, hey, let's watch this together, I watched like the first twenty minutes. I wouldn't call it a documentary though. Uh, yeah, I mean, all right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. All right. So that said, I, I was I was just sitting there going, you know, I knew it was deep, and I tend to be very conscious about herd mentality and and big brother and those kinds of things so i'm watching it and i'm thinking holy crap i mean i thought it was bad but this is like there's some seriously high-powered people on there that have come from all of the firms that you're thinking about google facebook twitter etc and and kim walked out uh to to ask me a question and i she said what you're watching i said something that we're going to watch together i'm going to stop it right yeah. now but it's worth you watching should. so this you weekend should. i think we're going to watch it she's like okay cool so uh yeah it's it was definitely just that 20 minutes out of i think it's an hour and 40 minute or hour and 20 minute show so yeah what do you got all right so i've got something that has been out for a while there's actually i think three seasons to it uh, and it's it's on Prime. It's one of their originals, and it's called Absentia, and it's freaking good. I mean, it's real good. Um, it occasionally it gets a little a little bit gory, but not too much. It's more just what's in your head, um, and and sort of mentally getting you twisted. I I have my kids just woke up, so I gotta go. <laughs> I love it. That's perfect. All right, see you, man. All opinions expressed by podcast guests are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of Potomac Fund Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Potomac Fund Management may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.